Section twelve of Utopia by Sir Thomas More, translated by Rafe Robinson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Of the religions in Utopia. There be divers kinds of religion, not only in sundry parts of the island, but also in divers places of every city. Some worship for God the sun, some the moon, some some other of the planets there be that give worship to a man that was once of excellent virtue or of famous glory not only as god but also as the chiefest and highest god but the most and the wisest part rejecting all these believe that there is a certain godly power unknown everlasting incomprehensible inexplicable far above the capacity and reach of man's wit dispersed throughout all the world not in bigness but in virtue and power him they call the father of all to him alone they attribute the beginnings the increasings the proceedings the changes and the ends of all things neither they give any divine honours to any other than to him yea all the other also though they be in divers opinions yet in this point they agree altogether with the wisest sort in believing that there is one chief and principal god the maker and ruler of the whole world whom they all commonly in their country language call mithra but in this they disagree that among some he is counted one and among some another for every one of them whatsoever that is which he taketh for the chief god thinketh it to be the very same nature to whose only divine might and majesty the sum and sovereignty of all things by the consent of all people is attributed and given howbeit they all begin by little and little to forsake and fall from this variety of superstitions and to agree together in that religion which seemeth by reason to pass and excel the residue and it is not to be doubted but all the other would long ago have been abolished but that whatsoever unprosperous thing happened to any of them as he was minded to change his religion the fearfulness of people did take it not as a thing coming by chance but as sent from god out of heaven as though the god whose honour he was forsaking would revenge that wicked purpose against him but after they heard us speak of the name of christ of his doctrine laws miracles and of the no less wonderful constancy of so many martyrs whose blood willingly shed brought a great number of nations throughout all parts of the world into their sect you will not believe with how glad minds they agreed unto the same whether it were by the secret inspiration of god or else for that they thought it nighest unto that opinion which among them is counted the chiefest howbeit i think this was no small help and furtherance in the matter that they heard us say that christ instituted among his all things common and that the same community doth yet remain amongst the rightest christian companies verily howsoever it came to pass many of them consented together in our religion and were washed in the holy water of baptism but because among us four for no more of us was left alive two of our company being dead there was no priest which i am right sorry for they being entered and instructed in all other points of our religion 
lack only those sacraments which here none but priests do minister howbeit they understand and perceive them and be very desirous of the same yea they reason and dispute the matter earnestly among themselves whether without the sending of a christian bishop one chosen out of their own people may receive the order of priesthood and truly they were minded to choose one but at my departure from them they had chosen none they also which do not agree to christ's religion fear no man from it nor speak against any man that hath received it saving that one of our company in my presence was sharply punished he as soon as he was baptized began against our wills with more earnest affection than wisdom to reason of christ's religion and began to wax so hot in his matter that he did not only prefer our religion before all other but also did utterly despise and condemn all other calling them profane and the followers of them wicked and devilish and the children of everlasting damnation when he had thus long reasoned the matter they laid hold on him accused him and condemned him into exile not as a despiser of religion but as a seditious person and a raiser-up of dissension among the people for this is one of the ancientest laws among them that no man shall be blamed for reasoning in the maintenance of his own religion for king utopus even at the first beginning hearing that the inhabitants of the land were before his coming thither at continual dissension and strife among themselves for their religions perceiving also that this common dissension whiles every several sect took several parts in fighting for their country was the only occasion of his conquest over them all as soon as he had gotten the victory first of all he made a decree that it should be lawful for every man to favour and follow what religion he would and that he might do the best he could to bring other to his opinion so that he did it peaceably gently quietly and soberly without hasty and contentious rebuking and inveighing against other if he could not by fair and gentle speech induce them unto his opinion yet he should use no kind of violence and refrain from displeasant and seditious words to him that would vehemently and fervently in this cause strive and contend was decreed banishment or bondage this law did king utopus make not only for the maintenance of peace which he saw through continual contention and mortal hatred utterly extinguished but also because he thought this decree should make for the furtherance of religion whereof he durst define and determine nothing unadvisedly as doubting whether god considering manifold and divers sorts of honour would inspire sundry men with sundry kinds of religion and this surely he thought a very unmeet and foolish thing and a point of arrogant presumption to compel all other by violence and threatenings to agree to the same that thou believest to be true furthermore though there be one religion which alone is true and all other vain and superstitious yet did he well foresee so that the matter were handled with reason and sober modesty that the truth of the own power would at the last issue out and come to light 
but if contention and debate in that behalf should continually be used as the worst men be most obstinate and stubborn and in their evil opinion most constant he perceived that then the best and holiest religion would be trodden under foot and destroyed by most vain superstitions even as good corn is by thorns and weeds overgrown and choked therefore all this matter he left undiscussed and gave to every man free liberty and choice to believe what he would saving that he earnestly and straitly charged them that no man should conceive so vile and base an opinion of the dignity of man's nature as to think that the souls do die and perish with the body or that the world runneth at all adventures governed by no divine providence and therefore they believe that after this life vices be extremely punished and virtues bountifully rewarded him that is of a contrary opinion they count not in the number of men as one that hath availed the high nature of his soul to the vileness of brute beasts bodies much less in the number of their citizens whose laws and ordinances if it were not for fear he would nothing at all esteem for you may be sure that he will study either with craft privily to mock or else violently to break the common laws of his country in whom remaineth no further fear than of the laws nor no further hope than of the body wherefore he that is thus minded is deprived of all honours excluded from all offices and reject from all common administrations in the wheel public and thus he is of all sorts despised as of an unprofitable and of a base and vile nature howbeit they put him to no punishment because they be persuaded that it is in no man's power to believe what he list no nor they constrain him not with threatenings to dissemble his mind and show countenance contrary to his thought for deceit and falsehood and all manner of lies as next unto fraud they do marvellously detest and abhor but they suffer him not to dispute in his opinion and that only among the common people for else apart among the priests and men of gravity they do not only suffer but also exhort him to dispute and argue hoping that at the last that madness will give place to reason there be also other and of them no small number which be not forbidden to speak their minds as grounding their opinion upon some reason being in their living neither evil nor vicious their heresy is much contrary to the other for they believe that the souls of brute beasts be immortal and everlasting but nothing to be compared with ours in dignity neither ordained and predestinate to like felicity for all they believe certainly and surely that man's bliss shall be so great that they do mourn and lament every man's sickness but no man's death unless it be one whom they see depart from his life carefully and against his will for this they take for a very evil token as though the soul being in despair and vexed in conscience through some privy and secret forefeeling of the punishment now at hand were afeard to depart and they think he shall not be welcome to god which when he is called runneth not to him gladly but is drawn by force and sore against his will 
they therefore that see this kind of death do abhor it and them that so die they bury with sorrow and silence and when they have prayed god to be merciful to the soul and mercifully to pardon the infirmities thereof they cover the dead corpse with earth contrariwise all that depart merrily and full of good hope for them no man mourneth but followeth the hearse with joyful singing commending the souls to god with great affection and at the last not with mourning sorrow but with a great reverence they borne the bodies and in the same place they set up a pillar of stone with the dead man's titles there engraved when they be come home they rehearse his virtuous manners and his good deeds but no part of his life is so oft or gladly talked of as his merry death they think that this remembrance of the virtue and goodness of the dead doeth vehemently provoke and enforce the living to virtue and that nothing can be more pleasant and acceptable to the dead whom they suppose to be present among them when they talk of them though to the dull and feeble eyesight of mortal men they be invisible for it were an unconvenient thing that the blessed should not be at liberty to go whether they would and it were a point of great unkindness in them to have utterly cast away the desire of visiting and seeing their friends to whom they were in their lifetime joined by mutual love and amity which in good men after their death they count to be rather increased than diminished they believe therefore that the dead be presently conversant among the quick as beholders and witnesses of all their words and deeds therefore they go more courageously to their business as having a trust and affiance in such overseers and this same belief of the present conversation of their forefathers and ancestors among them feareth them from all secret dishonesty they utterly despise and mock soothsayings and divinations of things to come by the flight or voices of birds and all other divinations of vain superstition which in other countries be in great observation but they highly esteem and worship miracles that come by no help of nature as works and witnesses of the present power of god and such they say do chance there very often and sometimes in great and doubtful matters by common intercession and prayers they procure and obtain them with a sure hope and confidence and a steadfast belief they think that the contemplation of nature and the praise thereof coming is to god a very acceptable honour yet there be many so earnestly bent and affectioned to religion that they pass no thing for learning nor give their minds to any knowledge of things but idleness they utterly forsake and eschew thinking felicity after this life to be gotten and obtained by busy labours and good exercises some therefore of them attend upon the sick some amend highways cleanse ditches repair bridges dig turfs gravel and stones fell and cleave wood bring wood corn and other things into the cities in carts and serve not only in common works but also in private labours as servants yea more than bondmen 
for whatsoever unpleasant hard and vile work is anywhere from the which labour loathsomeness and desperation doth fray other all that they take upon them willingly and gladly procuring quiet and rest to other remaining in continual work and labour themselves not embraiding others therewith they neither reprove other men's lives nor glory in their own these men the more serviceable they behave themselves the more they be honoured of all men yet they be divided into two sects the one is of them that live single and chaste abstaining not only from the company of women but also from eating of flesh and some of them from all manner of beasts which utterly rejecting the pleasures of this present life as hurtful be all wholly set upon the desire of the life to come by watching and sweating hoping shortly to obtain it being in the mean season merry and lusty the other sect is no less desirous of labour but they embrace matrimony not despising the solace thereof thinking that they can not be discharged of their bounden duties towards nature without labour and toil nor towards their native country without procreation of children they abstain from no pleasure that doth nothing hinder them from labour they love the flesh of four-footed beasts because they believe that by that meat they be made hardier and stronger to work the utopians count this sect the wiser but the other the holier which in that they prefer single life before matrimony and that sharp life before an easier life if herein they grounded upon reason they would mock them but now for as much as they say they be led to it by religion they honour and worship them and these be they whom in their language by a peculiar name they call Boothrescus, the which word by interpretation signifieth to us men of religion or religious men they have priests of exceeding holiness and therefore very few for there be but thirteen in every city according to the number of their churches saving when they go forth to battle for then seven of them go forth with the army in whose steads so many new be made at home but the other at their return home again re-enter every one into his own place they that be above the number until such time as they succeed into the places of the other at their dying be in the mean season continually in company with the bishop for he is the chief head of them all they be chosen of the people as the other magistrates be by secret voices for the avoiding of strife after their election they be consecrate of their own company they be overseers of all divine matters orderers of religions and as it were judges and masters of manners and it is a great dishonesty and shame to be rebuked or spoken to by any of them for dissolute and incontinent living but as it is their office to give good exhortations and counsel so is it the duty of the prince and the other magistrates to correct and punish offenders saving that the priests whom they find exceeding vicious livers them they excommunicate from having any interest in divine matters and there is almost no punishment among them more feared 
for they run in very great infamy and be inwardly tormented with a secret fear of religion and shall not long scape free with their bodies for unless they by quick repentance approve the amendment of their lives to the priests they be taken and punished of the council as wicked and irreligious both childhood and youth is instructed and taught of them nor they be not more diligent to instruct them in learning than in virtue and good manners for they use with very great endeavour and diligence to put into the heads of their children whilst they be yet tender and pliant good opinions and profitable for the conservation of their weal public which when they be once rooted in children do remain with them all their life after and be wondrous profitable for the defence and maintenance of the state of the commonwealth which never decayeth but through vices rising of evil opinions the priests unless they be women for that kind is not excluded from priesthood howbeit few be chosen and none but widows and old women the men priests i say take to their wives the chiefest women in all their country for to no office among the utopians is more honour and pre-eminence given insomuch that if they commit any offence they be under no common judgment but be left only to god and themselves for they think it not lawful to touch him with man's hand be he never so vicious which after so singular a sort was dedicate and consecrate to god as a holy offering this manner may they easily observe because they have so few priests and do choose them with such circumspection for it scarcely ever chanceth that the most virtuous among virtuous which in respect only of his virtue is advanced to so high a dignity can fall to vice and wickedness and if it should chance indeed as man's nature is mutable and frail yet by reason they be so few and promoted to no might nor power but only to honour it were not to be feared that any great damage by them should happen and ensue to the commonwealth they have so rare and few priests lest if the honour were communicated to many the dignity of the order which among them now is so highly esteemed should run in contempt specially because they think it hard to find many so good as to be meet for that dignity to the execution and discharge whereof it is not sufficient to be endued with mean virtues furthermore these priests be not more esteemed of their own countrymen than they be of foreign and strange countries which thing may hereby plainly appear and i think also that this is the cause of it for whilst the armies be fighting together in open field they a little beside not far off kneel upon their knees in their hallowed vestments holding up their hands to heaven praying first of all for peace next for victory of their own part but to neither part a bloody victory if their host get the upper hand they run into the main battle and restrain their own men from slaying and cruelly pursuing their vanquished enemies which enemies if they do but see them and speak to them it is enough for the safeguard of their lives and the touching of their clothes defendeth and saveth all their goods from ravin and spoil 
this thing hath advanced them to so great worship and true majesty among all nations that many times they have as well preserved their own citizens from the cruel force of their enemies as they have their enemies from the furious rage of their own men for it is well known that when their own army hath recoiled and in despair turned back and run away their enemies fiercely pursuing with slaughter and spoil then the priests coming between have stayed the murder and parted both the hosts so that peace hath been made and concluded between both parts upon equal and indifferent conditions for there was never any nation so fierce so cruel and rude but they had them in such reverence that they counted their bodies hallowed and sanctified and therefore not to be violently and unreverently touched they keep holy the first and the last day of every month and year dividing the year into months which they measure by the course of the moon as they do the year by the course of the sun the first days they call in their language synemernes and the last trapemernes the which words may be interpreted primifest and finifest or else in our speech first feast and last feast their churches be very gorgeous and not only of fine and curious workmanship but also which in the fewness of them was necessary very wide and large and able to receive a great company of people but they be all somewhat dark howbeit that was not done through ignorance in building but as they say by the counsel of the priests because they thought that overmuch light doth disperse men's cogitations whereas in dim and doubtful light they be gathered together and more earnestly fixed upon religion and devotion which because it is not there of one sort among all men and yet all the kinds and fashions of it though they be sundry and manifold agree together in the honour of the divine nature as going divers ways to one end therefore nothing is seen nor heard in the churches but that seemeth to agree indifferently with them all if there be a distinct kind of sacrifice peculiar to any several sect that they execute at home in their own houses the common sacrifices be so ordered that they be no derogation nor prejudice to any of the private sacrifices and religions therefore no image of any god is seen in the church to the intent it may be free for every man to conceive god by their religion after what likeness and similitude they will they call upon no peculiar name of god but only mithra in the which word they all agree together in one nature of the divine majesty whatsoever it be no prayers be used but such as every man may boldly pronounce without the offending of any sect they come therefore to the church the last day of every month and year in the evening yet fasting there to give thanks to god for that they have prosperously passed over the year or month whereof that holy day is the last day the next day they come to the church early in the morning to pray to god that they may have good fortune and success all the new year or month which they do begin of that same holy day but in the holy days that be the last days of the months and years 
before they come to the church the wives fall down prostrate before their husbands feet at home and the children before the feet of their parents confessing and acknowledging themselves offenders either by some actual deed or by omission of their duty and desire pardon for their offence thus if any cloud of privy displeasure was risen at home by this satisfaction it is overblown that they may be present at the sacrifices with pure and charitable minds for they be afeard to come there with troubled consciences therefore if they know themselves to bear any hatred or grudge towards any man they presume not to come to the sacrifices before they have reconciled themselves and purged their consciences for fear of great vengeance and punishment for their offence when they come thither the men go into the right side of the church and the women into the left side there they place themselves in such order that all they which be of the male kind in every household sit before the good man of the house and they of the female kind before the good wife thus it is foreseen that all their gestures and behaviours be marked and observed abroad of them by whose authority and discipline they be governed at home this also they diligently see unto that the younger evermore be coupled with his elder lest children being joined together they should pass over that time in childish wantonness wherein they ought principally to conceive a religious and devout fear towards god which is the chief and almost the only incitation to virtue they kill no living beast in sacrifice nor they think not that the merciful clemency of god hath delight in blood and slaughter which hath given life to beasts to the intent they should live they burn frankincense and other sweet savours and light also a great number of wax candles and tapers not supposing this gear to be anything available to the divine nature as neither the prayers of men but this unhurtful and harmless kind of worship pleaseth them and by these sweet savours and lights and other such ceremonies men feel themselves secretly lifted up and encouraged to devotion with more willing and fervent hearts the people weareth in the church white apparel the priest is clothed in changeable colours which in workmanship be excellent but in stuff not very precious for their vestments be neither embroidered with gold nor set with precious stones but they be wrought so finely and cunningly with divers feathers of fowls that the estimation of no costly stuff is able to countervail the price of the work furthermore in these birds feathers and in the due order of them which is observed in their setting they say is contained certain divine mysteries the interpretation whereof known which is diligently taught by the priests they be put in remembrance of the bountiful benefits of god toward them and of the love and honour which of their behalf is due to god and also of their duties one toward another when the priest first cometh out of the vestry thus apparelled they fall down incontinent every one reverently to the ground with so still silence on every part that the very fashion of the thing striketh into them a certain fear of god as though he were there personally present 
when they have lain a little space on the ground the priest giveth them a sign for to rise then they sing praises unto god which they intermix with instruments of music for the most part of other fashions than these that we use in this part of the world and like as some of ours be much sweeter than theirs so some of theirs do far pass ours but in one thing doubtless they go exceeding far beyond us for all their music both that they play upon instruments and that they sing with man's voice doth so resemble and express natural affections the sound and tune is so applied and made agreeable to the thing that whether it be a prayer or else a ditty of gladness of patience of trouble of mourning or of anger the fashion of the melody doth so represent the meaning of the thing that it doth wonderfully move stir pierce and inflame the hearers minds at the last the people and the priest together rehearse solemn prayers in words expressly pronounced so made that every man may privately apply to himself that which is commonly spoken of all in these prayers every man recogniseth and knowledgeth god to be his maker his governor and the principal cause of all other goodness thanking him for so many benefits received at his hand but namely that through the favour of god he hath chanced into that public weal which is most happy and wealthy and hath chosen that religion which he hopeth to be most true in the which thing if he do anything err or if there be any other better than either of them is being more acceptable to god he desireth him that he will of his goodness let him have knowledge thereof as one that is ready to follow what way soever he will lead him but if this form and fashion of a commonwealth be best and his own religion most true and perfect then he desireth god to give him a constant steadfastness in the same and to bring all other people to the same order of living and to the same opinion of god unless there be anything that in this diversity of religions doth delight his unsearchable pleasure to be short he prayeth him that after his death he may come to him but how soon or late that he dare not assign or determine howbeit if it might stand with his majesty's pleasure he would be much gladder to die a painful death and so to go to god than by long living in worldly prosperity to be away from him when this prayer is said they fall down to the ground again and a little after they rise up and go to dinner and the residue of the day they pass over in plays and exercise of chivalry now i have declared and described unto you as truly as i could the form and order of that commonwealth which verily in my judgment is not only the best but also that which alone of good right may claim and take upon it the name of a commonwealth or public weal for in other places they speak still of the commonwealth but every man procureth his own private gain here where nothing is private the common affairs be earnestly looked upon and truly on both parts they have good cause so to do as they do for in other countries 
who knoweth not that he shall starve for hunger unless he make some several provision for himself though the commonwealth flourish never so much in riches and therefore he is compelled even of very necessity to have regard to himself rather than to the people that is to say to other contrariwise there where all things be common to every man it is not to be doubted that any man shall lack anything necessary for his private uses so that the common storehouses and barns be sufficiently stored for there nothing is distributed after a niggish sort neither there is any poor man or beggar and though no man have anything yet every man is rich for what can be more rich than to live joyfully and merrily without all grief and pensiveness not caring for his own living nor vexed or troubled with his wife's importunate complaints nor dreading poverty to his son nor sorrowing for his daughter's dowry yea they take no care at all for the living and wealth of themselves and all theirs of their wives their children their nephews their children's children and all the succession that ever shall follow in their posterity and yet besides this there is no less provision for them that were once labourers and be now weak and impotent than for them that do now labour and take pain here now would i see if any man dare be so bold as to compare with this equity the justice of other nations among whom i forsake god if i can find any sign or token of equity and justice for what justice is this that a rich goldsmith or an usurer or to be short any of them which either do nothing at all or else that which they do is such that it is not very necessary to the commonwealth should have a pleasant and a wealthy living either by idleness or by unnecessary business when in the meantime poor labourers carters ironsmiths carpenters and ploughmen by so great and continual toil as drawing and bearing beasts be scant able to sustain and again so necessary toil that without it no commonwealth were able to continue and endure one year should yet get so hard and poor a living and live so wretched and miserable a life that the state and condition of the labouring beasts may seem much better and wealthier for they be not put to so continual labour nor their living is not much worse yea to them much pleasanter taking no thought in the mean season for the time to come but these seely poor wretches be presently tormented with barren and unfruitful labour and the remembrance of their poor indigent and beggarly old age killeth them up for their daily wages is so little that it will not suffice for the same day much less it yieldeth any overplus that may daily be laid up for the relief of old age is not this an unjust and an unkind public weal which giveth great fees and rewards to gentlemen as they call them and to goldsmiths and to such other which be either idle persons or else only flatterers and devisers of vain pleasures and of the contrary part maketh no gentle provision for poor ploughmen colliers labourers carters ironsmiths and carpenters 
without whom no commonwealth can continue but after it hath abused the labours of their lusty and flowering age at the last when they be oppressed with old age and sickness being needy poor and indigent of all things then forgetting their so many painful watchings not remembering their so many and so great benefits recompenseth and acquiteth them most unkindly with miserable death and yet besides this the rich men not only by private fraud but also by common laws do every day pluck and snatch away from the poor some part of their daily living so whereas it seemed before unjust to recompense with unkindness their pains that have been beneficial to the public weal now they have to this their wrong and unjust dealing which is yet a much worse point given the name of justice yea and that by force of a law therefore when i consider and weigh in my mind all these commonwealths which nowadays anywhere do flourish so god help me i can perceive nothing but a certain conspiracy of rich men procuring their own commodities under the name and title of the commonwealth they invent and devise all means and crafts first how to keep safely without fear of losing that they have unjustly gathered together and next how to hire and abuse the work and labour of the poor for as little money as may be these devices when the rich men have decreed to be kept and observed under colour of the communality that is to say also of the poor people then they be made laws but these most wicked and vicious men when they have by their unsatiable covetousness divided among themselves all those things which would have sufficed all men yet how far be they from the wealth and felicity of the utopian commonwealth out of the which in that all the desire of money with the use thereof is utterly secluded and banished how great a heap of cares is cut away how great an occasion of wickedness and mischief is plucked up by the roots for who knoweth not that fraud theft ravin brawling quarrelling brabbling strife chiding contention murder treason poisoning which by daily punishments are rather revenged than refrained do die when money dieth and also that fear grief care labours and watchings do perish even the very same moment that money perisheth yea poverty itself which only seemed to lack money if money were gone it also would decrease and vanish away and that you may perceive this more plainly consider with yourselves some barren and unfruitful year wherein many thousands of people have starved for hunger i dare be bold to say that in the end of that penury so much corn or grain might have been found in the rich men's barns if they had been searched as being divided among them whom famine and pestilence then consumed no man at all should have felt that plague and penury so easily might men get their living if that same worthy princess lady money did not alone stop up the way between us and our living which a god's name was very excellently devised and invented that by her the way thereto should be opened 
i am sure the rich men perceive this nor they be not ignorant how much better it were to lack no necessary thing than to abund with overmuch superfluity to be rid out of innumerable cares and troubles than to be besieged and encumbered with great riches and i doubt not that either the respect of every man's private commodity or else the authority of our saviour christ which for his great wisdom could not but know what were best and for his inestimable goodness could not but counsel to that which he knew to be best would have brought all the world long ago into the laws of this wheel public if it were not that one only beast the princess and mother of all mischief pride doth withstand and let it she measureth not wealth and prosperity by her own commodities but by the misery and incommodities of other she would not by her good will be made a goddess if there were no wretches left over whom she might like a scornful lady rule and triumph over whose miseries her felicities might shine whose poverty she might vex torment and increase by gorgeously setting forth her riches this hell-hound creepeth into men's hearts and plucketh them back from entering the right path of life and is so deeply rooted in men's breasts that she cannot be plucked out this form and fashion of a wheel public which i would gladly wish unto all nations i am glad yet that it hath chanced to the utopians which have followed those institutions of life whereby they have laid such foundations of their commonwealth as shall continue and last not only wealthily but also as far as man's wit may judge and conjecture shall endure for ever for seeing the chief causes of ambition and sedition with other vices be plucked up by the roots and abandoned at home there can be no jeopardy of domestical dissension which alone hath cast under foot and brought to naught the well-fortified and strongly defenced wealth and riches of many cities but forasmuch as perfect concord remaineth and wholesome laws be executed at home the envy of all foreign princes be not able to shake or move the empire though they have many times long ago gone about to do it being ever more driven back thus when raphael had made an end of his tale though many things came to my mind which in the manners and laws of that people seemed to be instituted and founded of no good reason not only in the fashion of their chivalry and in their sacrifices and religions and in other of their laws but also yea and chiefly in that which is the principal foundation of all their ordinances that is to say in the community of their life and living without any occupying of money by the which thing only all nobility magnificence worship honour and majesty the true ornaments and honours as the common opinion is of a commonwealth utterly be overthrown and destroyed yet because i knew that he was weary of talking and was not sure whether he could abide that anything should be said against his mind especially remembering that he had reprehended this fault in other which be afeared lest they should seem not to be wise enough unless they could find some fault in other men's inventions therefore i praising both their institutions and his communication 
took him by the hand and led him into supper saying that we should choose another time to weigh and examine the same matters and to talk with him more at large therein which would god it might once come to pass in the meantime as i cannot agree and consent to all things that he said being else without doubt a man singularly well learned and also in all worldly matters exactly and profoundly experienced so must i needs confess and grant that many things be in the utopian wheel public which in our cities i may rather wish for than hope after thus endeth the afternoon's talk of raphael hithloday concerning the laws and institutions of the island of utopia End of section 12